0: You are listening to Epic Church San Francisco's podcast. I was here. I crossed this ocean. I walked this path. I lived this life. But what did I leave behind? What evidence will future generations have of my existence? Empty room. Faded photographs, dilapidated buildings, dust and bones and chiseled stone, the scraps of self, the residue of life. The ripples fade and they come to nothing. A footprint, a census, a statistic, ink drying on a death certificate, filed away and gone forever. But maybe a legacy isn't material. Maybe a person's impact can't be determined by a calculator. Maybe the ripples of our time on the earth, the love we show, the faith we share, the good we do, the people we help. Maybe they go on forever. Maybe they multiply with time until a snowball becomes an avalanche. A drop becomes the flood, a spark, a fire, and a single voice, a tumult, roaring to the universe. But I walked this path. I lived this life. I was here.
1: Epic Church. Is it still pretty out there? Wasn't it glorious when you got up? Did anything change? Because I've been down here for a couple hours. So let's try that again. Good morning, Second Service, Epic Church. (laughs) Anybody ready to go back out to the beautiful weather? When Pastor Ben gets back, I'm going to see if we can do a text alert so we can shift church outside on beautiful days. Better not take a poll on that. He may not be happy with me. Sorry, Pastor Ben. So it's good to be here with you. And we believe that video. We believe that your life is precious. Let that sink. Your life is precious. And our world's complex, but your life is precious. And when when we connect with Jesus, when we reconnect with the creator and his design for your life, amazing things happen. And as we gather here today to worship and to hear from God's word, my prayer is that you would go out into that beautiful day, which, by the way, he gave us that beautiful day, and that you would not just live any life, but the life you're made for. Deal? Good? Everybody with me? A minute ago, Tim asked who was here, and only two people raised their hands. (laughs) If you ever heard Tim speak, they will catch you that way, so you have to be on guard. And so I got caught that in first service, but you notice Brad and I were both raising our hands second service, okay? So this morning, I'm excited to talk to you, and, and I want to ask you a question. How many of you are from some other place? Look at that. Look around you. I, I, almost all of us, right? And so would you agree that in coming to San Francisco, you've had to integrate your life into a new place? Anybody disagree with that? Most of us agree? Right, Some of us are still waking up. So I chose the word integrate today. And you'll see that it's the combining of parts with one another so that they become a whole. More than ever in our day and age, modernism and technology have allowed us to separate out the parts. And we're in the process of reintegrating those parts. Many of you work in companies where process flows are how you do that. And uh, as a church, we're really meant to be one, we're really meant to be a whole, and so constantly we're wrestling through, what does it mean to be the church, to be a follower of Christ, to seek first the kingdom in the world we live in? And yet, here at Epic Church, we all relate to this because we've come from another place, and we've already done the hard work to learn to integrate. You with me? So that, that word's going to carry on, and this morning we're going to be looking at a story in the, in the book of Luke, If you don't have a Bible, will you raise your hand? And uh, we have some Bibles available for you, and you can keep those. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Bible, you can go to page 570 in that book in the Bible, and uh, you'll find Luke chapter 18. And uh, we're going to be looking at a story of Scripture that I have disliked most of my life. Whoa, I had noticed that. The minute I said I have disliked most of my life, all the heads came up. I'm just being honest here. Okay? I'm being honest. Now this week, I've had a challenging week. Anybody else a challenging week? I, I actually practiced what Pastor Ben taught us three weeks ago, John 15. Several people who know me well know that I text them. I'm abiding. I'm asking Jesus to... To be what I can't be right now. And I'll tell you what. This was a week for practice. And as part of my week. I was praying over this service. And I kept wanting to go to a different passage. And in my spirit it was very clear. No stick with this passage. So I finally on Wednesday night. Asked my family. To begin to prepare. The epic group questions with me. I wanted to get their input. So tomorrow you'll get to see some questions. That relate to this. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Whatever day your epic group is. And uh And I committed to this scripture. And I'm just telling you that today I actually like this scripture. Most of my life I disliked it. And I think you're going to understand in a moment because some of you potentially have disliked this scripture as well. If you've never heard this passage, forget everything I just said. You're going to hear it for the first time and you can decide. But I'm going to try to paint a picture that maybe you haven't heard in regards to the story of the rich young ruler. If you've heard that story before you have to remember that Jesus had been uh, active with his ministry and he was coming to the end of his ministry, the end days. And let me just be clear here, he was no stranger to that day. He had already created all kinds of ripples and everybody knew that Jesus was there. Okay, the Romans, the religious people, the people in the villages, everybody knew of this person Who was walking around claiming to be the son of God. And everybody had an emotion towards Jesus. And an attitude towards Jesus. Or a want towards Jesus. Some wanted salvation. Some wanted healing. Some wanted to be a part of some new kingdom on earth. That's why they were following him. So everybody's agenda was a lot like ours. We each come to church for different reasons. We're each here today. Starting from a different place. And yet as we worship. And as we, as we listen to the scriptures. We find ourselves to find connection with Jesus. And the same was true in this day. And so here comes a story. And I could have picked the story of the healing. Or the story of the salvation. Or the story of the, 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 the young man who was up in the tree coming down. There's all kinds of stories. But I'm going to pick a story that starts off sad. And so if you have your Bible with you. Chapter 18 of the book of Luke. We're going to start in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Now that's a weird word, a ruler, but all that means is kind of like the CEO of a company or somebody who's in charge of something, okay? Good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Now, if you're good with debate, that question has a lot of meaning there. It's kind of like the patronizing back and forth. Why do you call me good? says, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he, the rich young ruler, said... All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have the treasure in heaven. And then he said, Come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm I'm starting with, I really dislike this passage because I have heard it spoken time and time again. You're going, great, he's going to tell me to surrender all and move to, or he's going to tell me that only the life of poverty is the serious life with Christ. I'll tell you, I actually left the church for a period of time because I didn't feel like I was good enough for this message. Only to discover what I'm going to give you. You see, the rich young ruler was very successful, right? Jesus didn't debate him on that he had kept all the rules, did he? He says, well, I've kept all those. What did Jesus say to him? But there's one that you lack. You see, the rich young ruler had arrived to the scene, and you need to get this picture. You know, today we get to see the debate behind a TV, you know, so you can go from one channel to the other channel the other channel, and the positions are all neatly separated by Facebook pages and television stations. Not in Jesus' day. He's in the midst of a crowd, and this conversation's going on, and he's got to be on guard because all of the motives around him are different. Now consider this for a moment. All the rich young ruler wanted to do was add to his portfolio eternal life. Man, I got stocks here, and I got stocks here, and I got stocks here, and I got stocks here. I'm into this eternal life thing, so how do I get it? But Jesus is going to further express that it's not about the eternal life in that particular moment. There's more than eternal life. There's salvation and the kingdom of God. And so that rich young ruler left sad because... In a sense, Jesus doesn't necessarily answer the question, but he suggests that he needs to let go of everything he rules and controls to follow him. To follow him. The good news here is that it's not my job to tell you that you're not doing something today that you need to do. I've been practicing what I'm going to give you for almost 15 years now. And every time I feel like I arrive... I have to come back to this scripture to further release control to to Jesus. So let me give you the back end. The part of the scripture that often isn't provided, that causes us to walk away sad with the rich young ruler. I pray you will not walk away sad, maybe challenged. I pray that you'd walk away and have to think through this. I pray that you'd walk away and test the the thoughts you've heard. But let's look at Jesus' words. So in verse 26... He says this, and, and realized this, that, that there was still the crowd around. And so those who heard it said, they asked, then who can be saved? But he, Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. I'm going to pause there. The people around him now are asking, but what about salvation? And Jesus goes, look guys, that's not the essence here of this conversation. He didn't, we don't know what he said, but he moves on, right? He says, what's what's impossible for you is possible for God. But Jesus wants to carry on, and Peter asks the question that I think I wanted to ask when I first heard this particular message. See, Peter is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. Peter is the guy, anybody know who Peter is? Yes, no? So Peter, if you've never heard of Peter, he's one of the disciples who Jesus first called You have to understand this. Peter was a very successful businessman in the city of Capernaum. If you go to Israel today, the Catholic Church has built an amazing house over what would have been his original house. Like he was the richest guy on the block. He had an industry thing going. And when Jesus shows up, he was so ready for something more that he drops his net and he does exactly what the rich young ruler wasn't willing to do. You see, he gave up control of what was his... And he began to follow this Jesus. Well, two or three years into the following, he's starting to wonder, where is this kingdom that you were talking about? And a minute ago, you just kind of asked this guy to do the same thing I did. What about me? So let's look at what Peter says. Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, there is no one who has left house or, or wife, or brothers, or parents, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time, note the words, in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Now the original question was, how do I attain eternal life? But Jesus is bringing the conversation not not further out. He's actually drawing it back to right now. You with, you with the scripture there? Did you notice that? He said, if you've surrendered all this, you're going to receive what you're looking for in this life and the next. Now, I love uh, Tim Milner because he, he likes to stay, say studies show. Have you ever heard Tim speak and he says studies show? Unfortunately, I couldn't find the study that would show that what Jesus promised Peter um, actually happened in a study. But yesterday I was playing tennis with one of my neighbors, which, by the way, ten years ago, I wouldn't really know this neighbor because I hadn't integrated myself into life at the neighborhood level. The love of your neighbors, I hadn't done that. Well, we're playing tennis, and we're talking about business, and he's a banker. And, I, and he goes, well, what are you preaching on tomorrow? So I start to share it, and he goes, well, you got to bring the National Geographic to church. And I go, what do you mean the National Geographic? Yeah, the front cover of National Geographic has the apostles on it. Any questions? I mean, I can't come up with this kind of stuff. And I know you're going to go home and make sure I didn't create like you're going, oh, he created that. Now, I haven't looked at a National Geographic in years, but but any questions? Jesus says you will receive in this life and the next. And I don't view that as eternity, do you? But it's 2000 years later. And it looks to me like Peter is 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 gained something that the rich young ruler didn't. When it comes to who was more here than the other, it seems like Peter was. You agree with me? You see, I believe this passage is misunderstood because the reality is is while money does influence us. Listen, how many of you are proud of what you've achieved in this room? Raise your hand. I am. Anybody have gained an education, gained a job, gained something of, of, of importance to you? Hey, all of those things are important. And while money plays into the factor here, the question is, what was Jesus after? And he was talking about the kingdom. People were asking about eternal life. They were asking about salvation. But Jesus wanted to make sure people understood kingdom. Now, how many of you live under a kingdom today? Not many of us, right? Some of you know where I'm headed with this. But think about this. We're free, aren't we? We are free. I grew up in Brazil. And I grew up under a military government for a while, so I understand a little bit what it feels like to not have certain freedoms. But let me bring it to the 21st century San Francisco, Facebook, texting, people like us, right? Let me change the question. Whose rule and reign do you live under? Think of the kingdom as a rule and a reign. Who rules your life? Well, here's some possible answers. Me. A parent, my children will go my parents from my life. Maybe a friend, maybe a boss. But would you agree with me that somebody can give account for your life? Would you agree with me there? Would you agree with me that the higher up you go, if you're the CEO of a company and a thousand people work for you, you have influence over those, those thousand people? Would you agree? If you go to a school and you're doing exactly what you're told to do, you've surrendered to the rule of that school. Would you agree? So while the kingdom may not be oppressive, the issue is this. Who's in control of your life? And I'll tell you why I disliked this passage. is because it was dealing with my desire to control. I'm not sure about giving other people control of my life. I mean, Jesus was the son of a carpenter in the eyes of the ruler, right? Jesus has done some amazing things. But think about this, folks. Jesus is saying, listen, shift your trust here to me. And I'll show you what you're looking for. And that's the challenge today. As you, wherever you're at in your faith journey, whether you're a seeker or a follower of Jesus, we are all wrestling through control. Discipleship is about aligning control with Jesus. And last I checked, it's a lifetime event. It's not an event, actually. It's a lifetime experience. It's a lifetime journey. If I was to walk you through my life, I would say, you know, there was a point in my life where where I honestly walked away from the church, but it was people who were integrated where I ran to that had an impact on my life and drew me back to church. Thank God they were integrated where the church wasn't. They were being the church, but the gathering church wasn't there. About five or six years later, I was working for Levi Strauss and Company, and I felt a tug in my heart, and, and I released control of my job to become a youth pastor. And I'll tell you, it was a scary move. But that shift of control in that particular moment was not a whole lot different than the rich young ruler because there were no guarantees of what it would look like. Even Peter's going, well, what about us? Because he's still unsure about it, right? And so today, my challenge to you is to consider that your life is meant to be integrated, your life with Christ, where you live. So I started to, to wonder, okay, what examples could I give Epic Church today? And I thought, you know, Pastor Ben and Shauna and the team... They left family and home and came here. And I think that's a great example. And, and I was thinking of my friend Ben Lee who came here and left a secure job and, and gave up the control and God has blessed him. And I can give you hundreds and hundreds of examples right here at Epic Church. But before I do that, I want to make sure you can anchor this in the best example of them all. You see, we don't worship a distant God. In that conversation with the rich young ruler, the example was standing right before the rich young ruler. Think about this for a moment. So so the God of the universe has a problem, right? There's a disconnection between creation and, and he. And so what does he do? The word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. Salvation was the work of Jesus. He was there to provide salvation. But he wanted us to understand that beyond salvation, the real life we're looking for is the ability to live under the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God. And so there are three things that I see Jesus doing that are our examples for our lives. The first thing Jesus does is he doesn't try to create a new suburb or he doesn't try to create a new country. He actually enters the story that's messy. You with me? He enters the story that's messy. He enters the story of the lame, the sick, the prostitute, the ruler, the military person. And amazingly enough, he does it with courage. He doesn't come in almighty power. What does he do? He comes as a child. So he enters in and he lives a life of courage. Now, I've chosen that, that word courage on, on purpose. And I want to just be honest here. I feel like the word faith, kind of like when Tim said, how many of you are here today and only two of us heard it? When we use the word faith, that tends to happen. Well, let me help you understand something. It is impossible for a person to take a stand of courage without believing something will come from it that they have no control over. See, I believe you can have faith and no courage, but I don't believe you can have courage without faith. I have very, very, very dear friends who don't believe in God, but they also struggle with courage issues. You see, when when you take a step of courage, you create context for love to happen. And that's the third thing that Jesus gives us, is he, he, he lives a life of love. Do you know what story comes after the rich young ruler? Take a look in your Bible real quick. Chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. Anybody remember that story? The little wee guy, he was the tax collector. He was a powerful figure, like he could come knock on the doors and say, Hey, you owe taxes. And the the Romans were amazing because they, they chose to take a Jew to collect the taxes. And he was a very wealthy man. And he climbs the tree, and Jesus isn't even asking him to release that. He just says, hey, you come down. Salvation is yours. Zacchaeus in that particular moment experiences love. And if you read that story for another sermon, Peter's going, wait a second. What about us again? Because you see, Peter himself is learning to integrate his life. And guess what the teacher is? Guess who the teacher is? It's Jesus Christ. I mean, how many of you don't even know the CEO of your company personally? Sorry if you're the CEO of the company. I'm the president of a company as well. But how many of you are are the VP of a company and you just send out emails and video messages? No, Jesus doesn't do this. He comes down and walks amongst us. Jesus comes onto the scene and walks amongst us. And he shows Peter what courage looks like. He shows Peter what love looks like. And in fact, Peter will deny Jesus upon the moment of greatest, greatest darkness. When Jesus goes to the cross, Peter denies. And yet, after the cross, after the resurrection, Peter is sitting by the lake. And if you question the existence of God, try to handle the fact that this guy Peter, who's been giving it all up, is going to actually stick with this after the crucifixion. No, the resurrected Jesus cooks him a meal and says, now go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. And he says, enter in your world again, Peter. Enter in your world again. Enter in with courage. And make sure love is the trail you leave. And 2,000 years later... Jesus brings us together here at Epic Church. And 2,000 years later, Peter's story along with a few other disciples and apostles is on the front cover of National Geographic. Now the question is, is what's the relevance to your life and mine? What's the relevance to your life and mine? I'm not going to make this complicated. I don't care how messy your life is. Apart from Jesus, you should probably run away from it. You should probably be like the rich young ruler. You should probably create a suburb. You should probably move to a new place. But in Christ, I want to challenge you to understand that part of you becoming who you're meant to be begins when you re engage the messiness of your own life. When you enter in your own life, and by the way, don't go without courage. Because courage is going to reveal your limitations. And just like Pastor Ben preached three weeks ago, when you meet your reservations, guess who's there with you? Jesus. When you meet your reservations, guess who you ask for help? Jesus. And he will not only provide what you need, but he will grow you to be the person you were forever created to be. And you will find yourself to love. Let me put this into practical terms. Okay? So I become a youth pastor. Then I moved to San Francisco, 2003, 2004. This is not a place to start churches. It's a death zone for church planting. It's not a friendly city to churches. Did I say that once or twice? (laughs) Twice. So so I make a decision, Lord, I want to stay here, but my job and my profession is to be a pastor at this point. And the Lord puts it on my heart to stay, but I start a business. I was scared to death to start a business. Expensive town, big time taxes, and I'm not Facebook. I don't have some grandiose idea. It's a small service-based company. One of my partners is right here. And he would tell you that I had the courage to start the business, but I lacked the love, didn't I? But God grew my capacity to love. You see, because I took the step of courage, the step of faith, God grew my capacity to love. You are so right to think you can't do something. But the question is, is the I can't a matter of you by yourself? Or could you potentially do it with the people sitting next to you? What happens if a group of people together believe that when we take a step of courage... Love transcends the neighborhoods and the places we live. Here's another story for you. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to stand in front of our house with our neighbors. And I'll tell you, I've been pretty busy. I've been feeling under the gun. I've had a tight week. I was traveling to Washington and Idaho, great states, by the way, South Dakota next week. And and I I had played some tennis with my kids. By the way, the the margins conversation, I can't wait for that next week. Pastor Ben's going to be talking about margins And I had a little margin there for my kids. But I didn't have margins for my neighbors. But all of a sudden I see a neighbor that I've been rushing past for three weeks. And so I remember my message today. And I stop. And we begin to talk. We begin to talk. And all of a sudden his wife comes out. And the other neighbors come out. And then all of a sudden two people who are very dear to me at Epic Church are driving by to look at a house. And... They go, whoa, and they stop. And now we're all out in front of my two doors down from my house. And I'm integrated into the story. And guess what we found out? We found out that one person just lost a mom. That another person lost their bird. That another person down way into the pregnancy lost a baby. Another neighbor has pneumonia. Pneumonia. And when my friends from Epic came by, I was reminded that I'm not doing this alone. And now we have to ask, God, give us the courage to love. Give us the courage to love. The CEO of the company I work for, I spent about an hour with him, and yet that seems so much more significant. And yet my trust is in my travel. Now, I'm not suggesting that you leave one for the other, but that you consider this series coming up on margins for how to balance and how to integrate the parts and that you not miss the part that's the most exciting. When Jesus says, come follow me, he has said that for 2,000 years. And people who have followed him for 2,000 years have experienced what Peter experienced. And the best is yet to come, but I can't speculate on that. And so that's my challenge to you today to integrate your life. To love your life. I don't care how bad your past is. I don't care how bad your life is. God will do something amazing. If you will release control. Of something. And move towards the loving of it. In our epic group this week. we Or a few weeks ago. We asked the question. If you could imagine anything. What would you imagine? And people said. We'll, we'll get rid of poverty. And we'll get rid of this. And we'll get rid of that. And. And it, they just seem to be so big. And, and I, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm almost 40. And I'm realizing that it's good to believe we can change those things. But how we change them is the key to success. A great philosopher who I look up to who's a Christian said this, The world can no longer be left to mere diplomats, politicians, and business leaders. They have, to, they, they have done the best they could, no doubt, But this is an age for spiritual heroes, a time for men and women to be heroic in their faith and in the spiritual character and power. The greatest danger to the Christian church today is the pitching its message too low. Dallas Willard, professor of philosophy at USC, a pastor who left the pulpit to go into the world to integrate. And they say he's a much smarter mathematician than Christian writer, but he's an amazing Christian writer. You see, he integrated his life. And what he's saying is there is a power in your life. There is a power in your existence that can be transformative to the world you live in. But the question is, will you integrate Jesus, your life, in the kingdom of God, into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, and your Saturday? I'll close with this. How many people here on Facebook I know we have people working for Facebook here so I got to be careful I have dear very dear friends who, who work for Facebook too so uh, Facebook's taken away the ability for me to give you a story without a story you've already known because everybody's seen it although in the first service we found out that only 50 percent of you had heard it anybody hear about the story of the violinist playing in the metro in Washington raise your hand yeah so about 30 40 percent some of you maybe more so, so the story goes like this. Violinists in the, in the metro station, Washington Post, doing a sociological experiment. He plays Bach for 45 minutes. Amazing. But only six to seven people stop. Child and older man. He only made like 30-some dollars. You go, Ken, that happens all the time in the BART station. But this man happened to be Joshua Bell. His violin was worth 3 to $4 million, and he makes $1,000 a minute playing his violin. And yet, people were too busy to recognize the beauty of the music. Why? Because they were rushing to and from where they were going. And that was the challenge to the rich young ruler. He could not see the beauty of what Jesus was providing, promoting, inviting him to. And that is what you will be challenged with. You will be challenged with being too busy. And you will also be challenged with the fact that you will be playing the music of love. And nobody will seem to listen. But keep playing. Keep playing. You see, I came back to Christ because people had integrated their life at Levi Strauss and Company. I came back to Christ because people had integrated their life where I lived. Where I played. They were living a life of love and it constantly came back to Jesus. And if you will live the life of integration, you will begin to see that all around you, there are people who have courageously entered in your world and are projecting the love of Christ, and you may have missed it all along. You will join them in a brotherhood and sisterhood will begin. I meet people all over this country who have stepped into the salvation gift of Jesus. Who have experienced the love of a church, but their favorite moment is Monday morning where they connect with people out there who have integrated faith and life. That's discipleship. The last thing I would give you is don't go alone. I talked to my dad today in Brazil. He's in Brazil, I was here. Skype. You see, my dad is my best example. There are examples all throughout this church. Who you need to sync up with. You need to ask questions. You need to connect with. Will you pray with me?